mustard top. <laughs> what? Hello there. Uh, what? What? What is that? It's Kate Bush. What's the matter with you? Oh. <laughs> the president? Former <laughs> president? How dare you? Would uh, you rather have some Torimus, Elliwand? We, could, oh, we no. could swing that. I just didn't know what it was. Just trying to figure All out right. the connection. Part Way to spoil it for the listeners. Uh, so, <laughs> in case you don't know, that, that, was, that was a little Kate Bush because, uh, oh, by the way, my name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for 21 Jump Street. What? Except, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. 21 Jump Street did not start this week, so instead, you're listening to the podcast for Silent House. Instead of John Carter, which you, I could talk these fools into wanting to see. Much like want everyone is the better for that. Yeah, everyone yeah. agrees with you, it seems. Well, let me, so folks know who's talking, uh, let me introduce you guys. So I am here with uh, Christian Mar- 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 Martrovsky. No, no, it's pronounced La Casamuda. <laughs> and Kelly Wand, who maybe has a either 21 Jump Street or Silent House tagline for us. Kelly Wand, I know we were all very confused about what movie to see. What kind of tagline do we get this week? One shot too many. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, uh, all right, so- uh, Dingus, why don't you uh, tell folks what exactly happened this week? Uh, what did we do, and what did we not do? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm confused, too. Explain, This week Dingus. we saw Silent House. Mm. Not 21 Jump Street like we expected. Not Dream House and not Safe House, two <laughs> other house-related movies. Very intricate situation with the podcast this yeah. week. Yes. Just Silent House, no article. A 2012 American horror movie about a young woman trapped inside a house. Mm. She's cleaning out the house with her dad and her uncle. It was directed by Chris Kentis and Laura Lau, Mm. and written by Lau based on the 2010 Uruguayan Spanish language movie La Casa Muda, which is The Silent House. Mm. Uh, Written and directed by Gustavo Hernandez. It stars... uh, Well, he's not... Uh, it stars Elizabeth Olsen, Adam Tracy. <laughs> Adam Tracy. <laughs> Eric Sheffer Stevens. And yeah. Julia Taylor that... Ross. Oh, hideous. Hideous brunette woman. God. <laughs> Silent House is rated R for disturbing violent content what? and really? terror. Yeah. That was an R rated movie? I don't That's know if it's rated up it. there, because I don't think in Canada they even have a rating system. What's all that about? Here in America, it's it's rated R for uh, disturbing violent content and terror. Kelly Wand, I'm with you. Uh, Dingus and I saw the movie together, and when we left, I wasn't sure what rating it was, and I was pretty sure I had just sat through a PG-13 movie, uh, but apparently not. Uh, so to give folks listening uh, a little context, if you haven't seen Silent House... Hang out for just a second, but I should warn you, we've all three seen it. We're about to discuss it in very spoiler-specific detail. Um, We'll warn you before that happens. Uh, Silent House had a $7 million opening, which is pretty disappointing, considering how well a lot of these low-budget horror movies have been doing lately. Uh, Silent House seems to be an exception there. Uh, It's not doing very well critically either. On Metacritic, 
which measures the average rating that reviews give it. It is currently at a 48 out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes gauges the number of reviews which are positive overall, so it's clocking at 47% positive reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, Kelly Wand, why don't you spoil for us everything that happens in Silent House by just just telling us what happens, like maybe giving us a synopsis of the plot, maybe. Oh, you mean a silent helps us? Awesome, yeah, rock and roll. Wait, did it make more money than John Carter? (laughs) (laughs) No, that was the Lorax. Oh. Oh. Uh, It came in fourth behind, uh, of course, Lorax, John Carter, and... What's this got to do with women's uh, pelvises? Ah, see, that was good, Kelly Wand. If we had seen, yeah, if we had seen Lorax, that would have made an awesome tagline. (laughs) And if you came to this podcast looking for Twenty One Jump Street related jokes, you're in the right place. Yeah, stay tuned. Keep listening for a week. Uh, So, Kelly Wand, let me check out your uh, check out your test. Gotcha. All right, so give us a silent hapsis. Silent hapsis is the first uh, alpsis I've written in another country, so we'll see if it holds up, or if any of the old ones no longer hold up. Silent hapsis. <clears throat> Remind me never to do another of these uh, sober again. Uh, <clears throat> silent hapsis. Maplethorpe Marcy Magdalene is sitting by a cliff watching some water do nothing, but her dad calls her in, so she comes in and they go to the basement with their uncle, too, but there's some mold in the wall, so the dad uses a hammer to expose more, and the uncle's all, cool, you exposed more. Mold's like a metaphor for child abuse, huh, horror movies? But the dad's all, shut up, if everybody did everything I say, I'd never stop talking. So Marcy Martha Murgatroyd gets burned out on the dialogue and goes back up, but there's a knock at the door, and a hot brunette girl shows up and goes, Hi, we used to play together, but since you don't remember me, I'm a ghost or something. Plus, I'm out of focus. And Marcy's all, Jeepers, I guess I have holes in my head, but maybe that's not a metaphor, since mouths and nostrils and eye sockets aren't allegorical. Or are they? And the brunette's all, I'll be by later to jerk your chain again. So Marcy goes inside and the uncle's leaving because he and the dad got in a fight over which then gets to be the villain at the end. So the uncle leaves. <laughs> uh, the dad tells Marcy to go upstairs and put her tutu in some flattened cardboard boxes and garbage bags like he asked her to never. But instead, she finds a locked red lunchbox, which symbolizes her innocence, blood, vagina or mental state. But she also hears a thumping noise, which I guess doesn't represent anything. So the dad goes to check it out, but disappears. So she tries to get out of the house and run around in circles outside in a panic. But none of the doors work because it's like her mind's refusing to something. But then she gets out anyway because her mind's finally something, but sees a little girl with brunette hair but luckily her uncle almost runs her over before we can muster interest so she's all dad's almost dead i think his eyes missing or something considering the camera's always two inches away you'd think we'd get a few more visual details hon he's all intruders eh okay let's go back to the house you stay in the car and hopefully alive i'll go back inside alone with the gun and wander around in the dark even though it's still daylight out but if you see shit in the rear view and freak out, come inside and call my name out. And just to be safe, I won't answer you. I'll just come up behind you and go, it's me. And ideally, <laughs> ideally, none of this is related to you getting molested. Although if it is and I was in on it, none of what I'm doing or saying makes much sense. huh? So he goes in and she sees scenes from the trailer in the rear view. So she goes in. 
and hides behind various boxes of stuff until a percussion cord twangs or there's a thump or an out-of-focus blob barely in frame. And then she runs away again, and damn, she has a nice rack, and her heaving, swelling boobs fill every shot. But she's crying, and this is a horror movie, so my hard-ons never felt so terrified. Until she finds a pool table, where I take it she was either molested or lost a pretty intense game of nine ball when she was eight. Or vice versa. And the brunette gives her a key, but it doesn't work on the door, only in the lunchbox with sex pictures inside. Although we don't get more than a glimpse of them, R-rated, and all I saw were shots of the pool table. But now she and whore... She... (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) But now she and or her psyche's free because she opened the lunchbox that had the pictures in it, even though the pictures have kept popping up all over the house and getting put in dad's or uncle's back pocket suspiciously. Which kind of gives away the ending, but also suggests the lunchbox was open the whole time because she was leaving the pics around. So she didn't really need the key, and also the brunette had the key, but she's the brunette, so that means she had the key all along, plus she was there when the pics were taken. So why she got to see him again to get out of the house they're moving out of already? Or is the brunette the uncle's kid? And where's the mom? Or is she the house, which is hardly ever silent, but whatever. She shoots them. (laughs) But her dad's eye's okay after all, even though he's tied up, so does that mean she attacked him in the first place upstairs at the beginning of the movie? And if so, with what? But now he talks her into cutting him free, but then beats her with a belt, so the uncle somethings him, but then the dad gets the drop on the ankle, but she uses a hammer on the dad, which we also don't get to see, and she's going to kill her uncle too. But her uncle apologizes for letting the dad molest her, so she leaves, possibly to call the police and or movers and or aunt. Boom! <laughs> Take that, America. I don't need you to write shit. You you talk fast in Canada. Well, it's all one sense, see, because of what they did with the thing. Of the bit that got the... Ah, very good, Kelly Wand. See? Nice take. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. All right, so, Kelly Wand, a real quick question. Uh, we don't want to spoil anything for you. Have you seen La Casa Buddha? No, I don't see movies in English titles. With Wait. That's English, right? It's I only Spanish. speak films because I am a snob. All right, you you have seen The Sun. You've seen I know you've seen at least one Belgian film. I wasn't sure how you were doing on your Uruguayan films. Uh, I see Uruguayan films if they speak Uruguayan, not Spanish. I see girl tongue. Wise choice. Racist at all. Uh, well, then we will we'll save that for a bit. Uh, Dingus and I both saw the original Uruguayan film, and I have a lot I'd like to say about that. But first, let's talk about this. Did you guys see my ghost sitting beside you in the movie theater, like in the third seat, but I had different hair color? And was oh, you were the hot brunette. No, I was the oh. other one. <laughs> Uh, all right, so who's going to stick up for the? Who's going to defend this movie? Is anyone on this podcast going to defend Silent House as anything other than a cheap gimmick-driven movie? You know, it's a cool gimmick too. And like halfway through it, I was kind of going, "Yeah, this this is what was wrong with Rope. Is it had a cool gimmick but unmemorable content?" And then at the end of this, I was like, "All right, same fucking thing." <laughs> Plus, I just read this book called Heart-Shaped Box by Stephen King's son, Joe Hill, which was kind of similar but way better value and, like, scarier. So it was, like, same themes but lamer. Well, it reminds – well, okay. Uh, so didn't hold up for you. Dingus, uh, are you going to be the Silent House defender on this week's Quarter to Three movie podcast? Uh, can I defend it for uh, two-thirds of the podcast? Ah, so it, what, did it fall apart at the end? Is that what you're saying? Uh, it fell apart uh, uh, well before the end, but uh, but there was a bit, part of it. Two thirds is sitting, high, I think. Sitting there in the theater, and it, you know, it's kind of that thing that happened to me when watching 
uh, a recent comedy I think we all saw together, a comedy action movie, I'm not sure what it was called, uh, where I, I, I can laugh at things when I'm around people, and that makes me like it more, and this scared me a lot of times, and I like that. I liked what it was going for. Um, I like Kelly's rope analogy. But it, but it really falls apart, you know, in much the same way that like something like high tension kind of falls apart. See, hey, I, I, don't, wanna... I don't think high tension falls apart, and this reminded me a lot of high tension. I mean, I think high tension earns its twist, uh, and it has style. I don't think that Safe House earns its twist at all. I thought it was predictable, and I didn't silent. think... Silent. Safe House. Oh, God, uh, thank you. Safe House totally earned its twist. <laughs> yeah, please, uh, please correct me if I keep doing that. Uh, I don't think that, that Silent House did earn its twist, uh, and I, I thought it was entirely predictable. I thought I loved the technique of it, but I didn't feel... You know, Alexander Aja, when he did High Tension... I think Alexander Aja is a fantastic director. These two people, I don't feel that way about. I mean, I loved Open Water, well, in as much as you could characterize it that way. I really respected what they did with Open Water, but I didn't think they really had anything to rest a movie on here. Wait, these uh, are the Open Water filmmakers? Yeah, yeah. so this is a married couple. Um, they they did Open Water as a little experimental thing, and it became a big hit after, I think it was at Sundance. Uh, and this is, the only, this is the only thing they've done since Open Water. Really? Yep. Because I love open water. Love. I do, too. I do, too. Open water. And open water, when I say I love open water, I mean, I feel very uncomfortable watching it. It makes me feel awful afterwards. But it's an incredibly effective movie, uh, even given that it's very kind of gimmick-driven. Um, and I, I love that about it. Uh, but I didn't see any of that, you know, th I didn't see much of that here. I, I did like the technique, um, but ultimately it didn't. It just felt cheap. And I felt like, yeah, I was scared. I mean, I, I was there with Dingus. I was, like, cringing, and it's, it's a very tense movie. But if there's no payoff for all that tension, I just feel cheated. Um, uh, yeah, it really, it really does drain. It just drains out of the movie. It's like just air out of a balloon. Yeah. But but early on, it rises above the gimmick. I, there there are moments there are moments where I understand, you know, at the very beginning when and Kelly's right to bring up Mar, uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene, uh, it's very much evocative of that. And unfortunately, you have some of that same problem as as I have with the Shining and the casting. Um, but 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 some of that out of focus stuff that happens really works for it, and some of the lack of establishing shots really works for it. Uh, I mean, I really like the tension that that this technique uh, or this gimmick it, yeah. it feels like it elevates beyond that, and then it just it just splats. The out of focus was a telegraph. I thought I thought it totally made it more predictable. But well, that yeah, I agree with you, Kelly Wand, but I did respect the way they used it as a technique. We've talked before when we saw The Sun last week, and I mentioned a movie called A Horrible Way to Die, about cameras being a part of the action uh, and how effective that can be. And right. I really liked what they were on to here. The camera was very much one of the actors, but without this being a found footage movie. You know, it mattered what the camera was and wasn't looking at. It mattered what room the camera was in versus what room another character was in. It mattered what the camera could see and the characters couldn't see. Uh, the camera was every bit as good an actor in this movie as Elizabeth Olsen, I thought. Right, sure. uh, and I, I love that technique. I just felt like it wasn't used to good effect. Um, you know, it was just pure technique without any payoff. And, and, and for me, what ultimately killed it, Dingus, was watching La Casa Muda, which we'll talk about in, in a second. Um, uh. So uh, what... Uh, Let's talk briefly about Elizabeth Olsen. We we all were quite fond of her in Martha Marcy May Marlene. Uh, how did she fare in this movie, Kelly Wand? Uh, how did you feel about having her in Silent House? 
I just want to see one movie with her where she plays a character who had an untroubled childhood <laughs> just once so I can get a sense of her range. Because mm-hmm. coming three months after the other movie, it kind of, that was another spoiler, is that she's the star of the movie. It's her. Oh, it's the same girl from The Thing, and then The Thing happens. And <laughs> it may as well just lead into the other movie. Like, oh, uh, what a crazy... I'll just join a cult. So you can say this is, the, this is, the, problem. This is right. the prequel to Martha Marcy May Marlene. It's the Phantom Menace of the Martha Marcy Marlene. <laughs> well, that, that first shot is so evocative of that movie. That overhead shot of her sitting on a rock next to a lake. It's like the same water. Um, it seems like the same water, and and I just talked about The Shining because we've talked about this many times, how uh, casting Jack Nicholson kind of ruins The Shining because he'd just done One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Right. And the, that kind of ruins this a little. I love her. I think she's great. I think she uh, she's far too hot, I think, for this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Distractingly hot because, as Kelly yeah. Wan joked about, you're constantly looking at her uh, oh, decolletage, as Tom says. Um and it's great don't get me wrong i'm not criticizing her knobs but i think she's totally wrong for it yeah yeah uh and that's one of the things i really liked about la casa muda is they just got this very skinny unglamorous kid in the part and it worked so much better i mean rather than watching this incredibly voluptuous just huge eyed actress i mean i mean there's something so incredibly radiant about elizabeth olsen i mean she just looks like a movie star and that kind of can work in Martha Marcy May Marlene, where, you know, we're kind of in her head and the whole movie has this ethereal thing going anyway. But in this extreme verite, like rundown house kind of setting, I'm like, why is this movie star uh, in, in this house? I mean, it, it was really distracting. And good Lord, is she gorgeous. And I just watching her, I just cannot get Vera Farmiga out of my head. It's just yeah. uncanny. Uh so, yeah, there's a little weird baggage there. Um, Vera Farmiga always gets screwed over in movies, too. So it's a similar thing. Like, uh, she's just going to keep crying. She <laughs> never gets a break. Yeah. Uh, and always jacked. Uh, so uh, what about, then, the uh, made-for-TV uncle and father? <laughs> God, those guys were awful. <laughs> but like, I think they're supposed to be. Like, I think at first, uh, I kind of felt a little bit of Dingus's thing. Like, I mean, the di- but it's just everything's such a tip off. There's no subtlety to it. Well, you know where it, it they're not from- old enough or weathered yeah. enough. And that, that again, in La Casa Muda, you know, it's the, these it? old men, and it, it, it works great. I mean, they're so contrasted. This looks like a it, this looks like the cast of a sitcom to, uh, to me, and that, that drives me crazy to see that in a little indie movie like, like this. Why are we uh, seeing American remakes when we all hate them already, and we're never satisfied with them? And they always suck. Yeah, I have an answer for that, because they're by the folks who did Open Water. Uh, that's true. That was an American <laughs> remake of the Uruguayan <laughs> Open Water. Uh, th- that said, though, let's talk about some things we did like. So it was scary, it was tense. I adored and again, I was a little disappointed to find out that it was derivative of La Casa Muda, the Uruguayan movie. But I adored the scene, and I was grinning ear to ear, where she breaks out of the basement door and runs out outdoors. Because I was uh-huh. convinced the movie was going to be this claustrophobic indoors the entire time experience. And the way that movie, along with Elizabeth Olsen, break out of the basement and go running into the woods, that was just exhilarating. Uh, I loved that scene. Uh, uh-huh. other, no, you didn't like it? Well, I knew it wasn't going to last, although I, I think it would have been an interesting, like, okay, and then she goes to the hospital, and then it's like, how long are you two? 
Yeah, the, like, the, she does quick, promptly get dragged back into the house, doesn't she? And the uncle, like, I don't understand his motivation for going back. I don't get anything. Like, the movie doesn't make any sense to me if I think about it. I don't understand why the hair color is different on the ghost kid. Am I dumb? Well, there's there's some weird things. Uh, I, I think they were trying to t- borrow things from the Uruguayan movie without without, very, <laughs> without very important plot points. From the right. Movie. Yeah. So in the Uruguayan movie, the little girl is her aborted daughter. What? Yep. And I'm made, supposed to know that from this? Uh, no, because they don't no. tell you that. There's no trace of that. That's made very clear in the original. Uh, is that's the little girl. And, and the scene where she sees the little girl in the road is so much more stylistic. Like, I love the way they shoot that. In the Uruguayan movie, there's there's literally like a halo of light. It's almost like she's been beamed down by a UFO when uh, the the lead character turns around and sees the little girl. Uh, there's some really cool stylistic stuff in the Uruguayan movie that they just dropped here, along with plot points. Um, so that's what was going on there. I can't believe that's what the girl is. Yeah, I- because here, I think you're supposed to think it's the little girl. Like you said, Kelly Wand, it's a... Imaginary it's a, friend or something. Imaginary friend or herself as a kid. or Yeah, it In wasn't torrents. really clear. And it wasn't clear who the masked guy was supposed to be. I wasn't real sure about that stuff. The mummy represents her mommy, like in Temple of Doom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great, Kelly. I'll take that. Go back to wherever you are. Uh, I also... Uh, who in America... Oh, I should say in the U.S., Locks their doors from the inside with a key. Uh, and lunchboxes. I've never heard of that, though. Like a door. I, I remember talking to someone from Switzerland who was telling me about, yeah, that's how we do it. And I was astonished that they people do that in other places in the world. You, you open your door, your house, you know, right. with a key, and then you close it, and you lock it from the other side with the key. I don't, I've never been in an American house that does that, which is I mean, what they do in Silent House. Well, we have an unreliable narrator, so I thought maybe... <laughs> She's in source code. Good point. With Vera Farmiga is talking to her and some some in her constructed reality. And I like the tension of it. Like, where's the key go? But then when you find out where the key does go, you kind of wish you didn't know where the key. Well, the the tip off for me too was you guys mentioned the dingus. You mentioned the casting is kind of a spoiler. Uh, You know, here we have an actress who's great at playing these unhinged, unreliable narrators. The tip off for me are all these like lingering shots where, where the camera goes into a mirror. Like, any time you see a camera go into a mirror in a very self-conscious way, you know we're going to get some sort of fractured identity story. That's the spoiler for me. Or the reflection doesn't do the thing that it should do. Well, like the trick in, uh, oh, like the Adrian Paul's All the Way Down thing from that movie that I was telling you guys about. Uh, or uh, uh, what's the, the gimmick in Evil Dead 3, is it, where Ash lunges at it himself out of a mirror? That was in the second one, Fool. Thank you. <laughs> well done. I, mean, I was and the third one. I think he's does it both times. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, the unfortunate yeah. moment is when you look back at it. I know I'm supposed to say something I like, um, but but the the thing I liked while I was watching it was this weird, creepy look she got on her face when her father and her uncle were taking pictures with the Polaroid camera of the holes in the wall. Um, yeah. And then looking back, it's just such. Overwhel- it's such an overwhelming and obvious and almost cheesy thing to do. It's overdone, uh, but at that moment, you you have to notice it. 
this this is just a movie that will not bear repeated viewings. Exactly. I mean, and Dingus, th- this is where I can kind of say, I mean, it falls apart for me, and so in the final analysis, I don't like it, I don't recommend it. But in those early moments, and Dingus, this is something that you and I enjoy uniquely, is when I sit down to watch Silent House, I don't know if it's a ghost story, I don't know if it's a psycho killer story, I don't even really know if it's maybe just a family drama, I don't know if it's going to be like a home invasion crime story. So as those pieces start to come together early on, that's kind of exciting. And, you know, yeah. so when you see Elizabeth Olsen, you're like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on with her? What is that look? You know, and you're thinking, how is this going to fit in? That's exciting. That's cool because we haven't seen the trailers. I haven't read about it. I don't know uh. what's going to happen. So I, I appreciate that early stuff. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, going back, I, I, this is not a movie I'd want to see again. Um, because the Polaroid camera is supposed to, I guess, set her off. I, I, is that is that the incident that makes this whole movie happen? That they bring out the Polaroid camera because that's one of the cool things about La Casa Muda is uh, is in silent in the movie we just watched. There's no reason for them to be using that stupid Polaroid camera, right. and in in that movie, it's just something that she finds. Um, Wait, don't and, they? And I like don't the dad goes, don't you have the chick chick to the uncle, and then the uncle has it. Remember? Well, and they need it to take a picture of the mold. Well, they could again, as I said with um, I forgot again. What's this, the, means war. this means war. No, no, the remake. Uh, don't be afraid of the, the American remake of this. Means there war. is no reason that they can't be using a digital camera, even though oh, they right. can't get. They don't have electricity. I have I, the last two or three digital cameras I've had take AA batteries. That's far more reliable to take a bunch of pictures with your, with your digital camera that you're going to send to the insurance company than taking a bunch of fucking Polaroids. <laughs> Nobody does that now, and there's no reason to do that now other than for the Chekhov's camera thing that's going to happen later on. Dingus, and I s- really resent that. <laughs> Dingus, don't see Saw. All right, I won't, if you insist. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, Kelly Wong, go ahead. Uh, there is an awesome camera bit in Grave Encounters, which i just seen a few yep. weeks ago. And then I didn't like Apollo 18, but even that oh, like, that's right, that's right, justified. Yeah. So, well, yeah, the camera trick is really kind of played out these days, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. And this is the time where it's... It's actually showing nothing. She's take she she has no motivation to be taking the pictures right then. Like she thinks she's in a room with people trying to kill her. <laughs> I'm over here. I will illuminate my position every <laughs> yeah. few seconds. Quick, <laughs> uh, Dingus. What were some of the things? Uh, so actually, Dingus, I, I haven't we haven't talked about this. How did you feel about the Uruguayan original? Oh, I I quite liked it. I I really love the the opening shots. Uh, there's just a fence post, and there's this weird walk across a field where she's following some guy, and it might be a ghost, and there's this nursery music kind of playing, and the house looks perfect. The outside of the house in La Casa Muda looks perfect. And I'd want to say, Dingus, I, I think another important distinction, like an early sign uh, where I was watching La Casa Muda, and I was thinking, oh, why didn't they do this in the American remake, is look. Silent House starts sort of in media res. They've been at the house for a while. They've been repairing it. In La Casa Muda, the Uruguayan original movie, we as the audience come to the house along with the characters. The house is established to us as soon as it is to the characters. And I kind of feel that's an important point. You know, we come into things after they're already underway uh, in in Silent House. And I don't I don't understand why they. I guess because they wanted to get their mold gimmick in there or whatever. Uh, but I really like that in the first in the original. That's a really good point because I think as a trigger because I and I don't know if you noticed this at the beginning of La Casa Buddha because 
uh, it says it's based on true events. Right. What? True or not. It's it's based on something that happened back in the 40s. I mean, there's probably just some news story about a girl who killed her father and uncle, and there were allegations. Locked in her house. I mean, it's just one of those loosely inspired kind of things where they can put this up on, exactly, where they can put it up as a title card. but I'm sorry, what you have to wonder is is why why are these events happening now? Why why is it happening in the action that we are watching right now? What what has happened that makes this all come together? And um, what you just said is perfect because uh, she who is Laura in La Casa Muda is coming into this house for the first time since whenever, and this triggers everything that happens thereafter. And apparently, in Silent House, Sarah is triggered by looking at a camera, I guess. Yeah. She's been in the house for an indeterminate part of, amount of time and been packing things up, and her cousins won't help. And I, I, You don't have any idea. The one thing I like about Silent House is that the house is so dark, and I keep wondering, why is it so dark? And, oh, it's boarded up. But, yeah. Uh, and in the Uruguayan one, too, they're a lot less coy about the twist. I mean, there are a lot better tip-offs. Thematically, it's much more unified, and it leads up to the twist much, much better because early – first of all, it gets underway a lot faster uh, as far as the action. There's a lot less sort of phony walking around and, and her dad not answering her for a, su- a few seconds like Kelly Wan talked about uh, just to make it creepy. I mean, early on in La Casa Muda, the dad goes upstairs and gets whacked. Uh, so it, it, it's not quite as coy, and there's a lot of stuff like you hear the sound of children laughing. Uh, there's this great gimmick with a with a doll being found with her father's body. Um, there are these. There's a great scene where she walks into a room with these covered paintings, and she pulls the covers off the paintings and finds these like these pictures. I, they're not quite a child's drawing because they're actually kind of well done, but of these like faceless family members uh, and the, the father without a mouth. Um, uh, that's uh, creepy. It's, it's very creepy. It's like and, Night Gallery. It, it, exactly, Kelly Wand, yeah. Uh, and, uh. you know, there's a scene with a baby carriage, which totally goes back to this being about her lost daughter. Um, and they make clear, too, that, you know, this is about she uh, she had an affair with someone. And uh, I don't remember. So, Dingus, was the incest angle, incest angle pushed in La Casa Muda? Or was it just that her father let this happen? I think it was the the latter, but they okay. they also had some sort of um, porn ring or right, or right. A prostitution ring, right. and her father kind of pimped her out. I mean, the brother is mentioned, but by Nestor, but it's just a brother who's somewhere out there. Um, and, 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 but and it's it, not that, yeah. And and it's also much better. I mean, the, the title actually makes sense in the Uruguayan movie because of you know the theme of of this terrible thing happened to her, nobody talking about it, and the the mouthless paintings that she has, and the way it ends. Like the the payoff in La Casa Muda is not, hey, she's she's all imagining this. The payoff is what she does to her her abuser, like the guy who basically got her pregnant and. Uh, and, and then refuse to talk about it or acknowledge it. Uh, the the camera, and I love this gimmick, moves into that man's point of view as she kills him, as she cuts his tongue out, silent house, there you go, and then murders uh-huh. him, and then his vision fades as he dies. That was for me, that for me was a fantastic payoff. Yeah. Why didn't they do that in this? That's way exactly better. Kelly Wand. Exactly. And then the title would have made. And, and you know what, Kelly Wand. And then the credits were kind of like 
the Hangover movies, uh, the credits were us seeing the Polaroids one at a time. You know, flashing Polaroids she took of the murder scene, Polaroids that were taken of her. Uh, to the same music as at the end of The Hangover? <laughs> Tom, Tom, did you watch all the way through the credits? I'd rather pretend that last part didn't happen. What? Wait, wait, what? Does it not remind you of something else, though? Uh, other movies that should have ended five minutes earlier? <laughs> do other no. movies mean war? No. It, what, what did it, it remind you of? What are you thinking of? It had a similar impact on me, and I guess it just didn't work for you this way. It had a similar impact on me that the that watching uh, the woman through the credits had for me. Oh, yeah, okay. Why don't, why don't you explain? So, by the way, if you haven't seen La Casa Muda, we're kind of spoiling it for you. Sorry. But, yeah, Dingus, explain what happens after the credits. It. They might. Maybe they will. It's on Netflix. Now they won't. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to. I, I want people. Okay. I, you know, I, okay. Well, I didn't need. I like that dingus. It had a kind of a very different tone, but it was information that I really didn't need because I already knew it. So, uh, but you know what? It presented that information with a, a very different tone. So, fair point. Yeah, and I do like the the comparison to the ending of the woman. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I remember the woman ever ending. Uh, the woman had that little animated sort of where the wild things are meets Cthulhu kind of. Sequence huh? <laughs> at the end. Uh, okay. Maybe you'll have to see it again, Kelly. I guess I missed something. Yeah. <laughs> it's something I truly loved about the woman, and it made me, after watching this movie, made me think this this movie could be not a prequel to, but in that universe. All yeah. of a sudden, that, that she could have been in that universe. Very I good. Thought, I thought the woman ended with that guy at Sundance crying. <laughs> one two three, not only you and me, the old lady. <laughs> Keep talking right. about the movie. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm so glad you like. I'm so glad you like that movie. Like Casamuda. Yeah. Uh, so. To, to sort of summarize, we would recommend La Casa Muda. I don't think we necessarily recommend Silent House. But we recommend Elizabeth yeah. Olsen as a pillow. <laughs> Kelly one. I mean, uh, actress. I'm sorry. I was thinking about something. So you just, know what? If you're going to objectify her, there are worse ways uh, to do that. Yeah. So for, yeah, the movie's for, so not doing that. That's all. <laughs> it didn't want me to even see that. So. Kelly one, you're responsible for this week's three. By, oh no, Dingus, no, you're uh, responsible for this week's three by three. What do you got for us? I've got your three favorite animal moments and no pets. All right. What? No pets. I don't understand. Okay, let's see who breaks that rule first, Tom. <laughs> Hey, no, I'm I'm good. I think I think I've got it. Uh, now uh, I will be introducing next week's three by three, so I'll be going first with this. So, <laughs> what is that? that? Came out, I apologize. That's a, that's a Canadian saying. You guys would understand. That uh, voice was totally uh, consequential. You know, I I do sometimes sound like that. Fair enough. Uh, so I just want to let folks know what I did with this, because Dingus, I think, left the door pretty wide open for certain members of this podcast to do crazy things. Uh, we'll see if certain members of this podcast do and do indeed do those things, but I want to specify my approach to it. So animal moments, I took it to mean not... They were, they were isolated moments in the movie and not, like, part of the movie at large. So, for instance, when the shark first appears in Jaws, that could technically be an animal moment, but because it's part of the movie at large... I wouldn't pick something like that. These it's are also Brody's pet, too, by the way, so it wouldn't disqualify. Ah, good point. Right. That would disqualify it. So these are little moments that are not related to the sort of overall action of the movie. You know, the bear from 
what's that Claws movie? Uh, the Edge. You know, I didn't pick stuff like that. So these are just little self-contained moments in Claws movie. <laughs> uh, so that's the LAUS. That's the approach I took to uh, Dingus's list. So my number three choice. Uh, I'm not even sure. This is an animal, but uh, it's uh, it's the it, near the end of Greenberg, Ben Stiller uh, goes to a party and gets really coked up and kind of freaks out. And a metaphor for this is the people at the party find some weird dead floating animal in the pool uh, that is never specified what it is. Um, so I, I love that moment, that weird little thing in the pool in Greenberg. Mm. Which kind of references, and I think Dingus is the one that pointed this out to me, kind of references an earlier scene where Greenberg himself has gotten in the pool and flailed around and, and almost died and freaked out. Maybe that's his aborted baby. In a horror movie, Kelly Wan? <laughs> yeah. I'm oh. sorry. See, people who listen to the rest of the podcast will think I'm the worst person ever. For uh, just for just for folks listening, Kelly Wan actually did not spoil something from Silent House in that instance. They might be thinking he did, but... but Little do you know, he did not. <laughs> I spoiled something for a movie I hadn't seen, which is totally legal. It's a right. legal move. Yeah. All right, so that's my number three, the uh, dead thing in the pool in Greenberg. Dingus, does that qualify? Absolutely. I like where you're going with this. All right. Uh, and also, all of mine are thematically relevant. Oh, Jesus. See, <laughs> <laughs> See now, that time, Kelly Wan, I, I earned that. I don't That's feel that I earned it the first time you did that. So no, I was a dick the first time. Second time. But the second time, absolutely appropriate. Yeah. So Kelly Wand, what is your number three choice for a non-pet animal moment in a movie? And uh, Kelly Wand, more importantly, how did you approach this three by three? Oh well, I was thinking uh, I would do. It had to be like a real animal, and then I got sleepy, so I totally abandoned that idea. <laughs> and now none of like I think one of them is an animal. All right. Barely. What did you come up with then for your number three? I, yours is like, it's just a special effect that looks vaguely. Like they just had a fur coat or something in the props <laughs> closet, and they threw it in the pool, and then they went, hey, this will get Tom Chick to put it on a three-by-three. Because he's a fucking... Kelly Wood, your insight into Noah Baumbach's creative process is uncanny. What? <laughs> it's the director of Greenberg. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he's good. He's really good. Unsympathetic character, though, I'm told. Uh, that Noah Baumbach, not Greenberg, obviously. Noah Didn't he write Tower Heist? Ooh. Oh, did I tell you about that? Never mind. That's boring. My mom saw it. Hey, I know you guys like when I bring up my mom. She's all, I saw a movie, but you hated it. And I went, hmm, I wonder what that could be. And then I went, oh, it's got to be Tower Heist. Like, that's the only movie I hate. <laughs> Out of every movie I've seen, I instantly went, it's obviously that. It's entirely not true, Kelly Wan. You've hated plenty of movies. No. Only Tower Heist. Everything else is good. Everything else is acceptable entertainment compared to Tower Heist. That's how I would like to rephrase my right. Tower Heist. All right. My number three, this is kind of the shitty one. Mm -hmm. uh, in Water Ship Down... Waiting for Tom to make a noise. He's choosing. No, those are those are animals. I, I, if you're going to use the Iron Dragon, I fully support it. Uh, what? Don't they think a train is is an Iron Dragon or, no, or no. no? It's called a Redudu. You're, so you're actually you are second guessing me correctly because it's like when one of the rabbits goes, "Oh, look, you can play chicken with the Redudu," and he just like stands in front of it, and then at the last second, it he doesn't get killed. So wait a minute, hold on, Redudu. Redudu. 
That sounds like something from Phantom Menace. I don't believe you for a second. <laughs> oh, from the 20s. These, the Watership Down takes place in like the 30s or the 20s, one of those lost decades. Where did like, I get Iron Dragon from? I guess they wouldn't know what a dragon is because they're rabbits. Redudu. Yeah. Wow. All right. But if you go crazy, it's called going Tharn. Yeah, that's my favorite. Tharn is what happens when, when they see headlights. That also sounds like something from Phantom Menace. You guys are making this up. I couldn't remember anything better for Watership Down. I remember Big Wig and the Albatross is Japanese. Kiyohar? Not an Albatross. What is he, Dingus? You know Watership Down. What I do know. I, I don't know that, but I. But can you name another book that uses the word Tharn in reference to Watership Down? The Stand. Down? Oh, well done. Boom. Oh, Give me something hard, motherfucker. That's what she said. Because my mom, if I may, had to go, oh, What's God. this mean up the stand, Dingus? Yeah, oh, my God. Oh, can we talk about Star Trek next? But it seemed a little far-fetched to me that Stu Redman in The Stand would have read Watership Down. Because I remember yeah, thinking, he wouldn't have. Why is, why is this this redneck by the gas station reading Richard Adams' novels? Do you guys like Dark Tower? I don't read. I couldn't get into it. The first page <laughs> lost me. That was a rhetorical question. Rhetorical? Was like a of those fucking things. Eight. Dingus, what is your number three choice for a non-pet animal moment, and what was your own uh, approach to this 3x3? Three three? Wait, wait, just, what was oh, the okay. actual moment Kelly wants talking about in Watership Down? Uh, oh, uh, the Redoodoos. Yeah. Oh, Redoodoos. chicken with the Redoodoo, and I think there's an H in it. So, that's an interesting, I mean, is it, is a train an animal? Is an animated animal an animal? But apparently it is to an animal. They don't know anything else. Their frame of reference is other animals and humans, so they assume that the big old thing is, a, is an animal. So I, 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 Kelly Wanda, you've done far worse, I'll say that much. Well, that's not saying much. <laughs> All right, Dingus, you are up. What is your number three choice for a, an animal moment? And uh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I decided uh, I have nothing against uh, Kelly's because I Aww. I love Watership Down so yeah. much. Uh, but I decided not to go with an- with animated ones because I had a number of animated choices I could have chosen. Uh, actually, let let Aww. me let me until I got That's to my number favorite. two. My number two is technically an animated thing, but but I mean I ah. went away from from cartoon movies. Yeah, sure. Except um, for your number two. Except for my number Aww. two, which is a cartoon movie. But uh, but. Um, I uh, I th- I thought I was going with something that Tom was talking about, but when he brought up Bruce showing up, I'm worried that I, I violated it with my number three. That's fine. That's fine for your own list. I mean, I'm just saying what I did. You can approach it however you like. The one in three, Jaws three is not named Bruce. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> JK, it is. But the uh, okay. So anyway, the That's the number strong. three is. Um, is the moment in the beginning? Well, not the beginning, but or very early in the in one of my favorite movies of 2012, The Gray, uh, which was directed by Joe Carnahan. Oh. It's a moment near the beginning when Liam Neeson's Otway has shot a wolf that's about to attack um, a bunch of men who are working the pipeline, and he goes to the wolf and he puts his hands on the wolf that he's just shot, and basically comforts the wolf as it's dying. Mm-hmm. So that's that, that's my number three. So Dingus, do you remember when Kelly Wan said he didn't dislike any movies except for Tower Heist? Remember that? Uh, it's not a movie. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. He did say that. I was well, going to bring up A Team. 
I, you know what? I love that dingus, but I mean, for me personally, like the, the gray is all about animal moments. I mean, the gray is that sort of right. interaction of man and animals and our men animals and, and stuff. So and animals. Jeez, <laughs> so I, I love that pick, but I just disqualified myself from things where that's the central tent. Like I all wanted to pick everything I wanted to pick was like the animal moment as a metaphor for, for something. So, pick, but I, I love that pick. Dingus picks that over the Hannah wolf. Or was that a wolf? Uh, there's a deer in Hannah, not That's a wolf. What I meant. And, and maybe, maybe. By the way, thanks for ruining one of my picks. Ah, oh, well, why did <laughs> you say that? You know what? No, you know what? Maybe not. I just wanted. I want a little suspense. Uh, uh, I just can throw a little suspense out on the podcast. Unlike, so I, I had one. I actually had Greenberg as a runner-up, and then there's another one as a runner-up. But I felt that that the one that was almost in my number three was too random, and the gray was a very last-minute one, and I just Great. I love. I love what it means for the movie. Well, Greenberg's be- technically a mammal, so he would have qualified. Yeah. And because the gray isn't the movie you think you're going to see, uh, it works for me. Dingus, would the gray be one uh, one of your uh, favorite movies so far this year? Um, I would put it right up there. Me what too. About, uh, you see that, Kelly Wan? That's our both of us. Uh, Dingus oh. and I, if we had to do our top ten list right now, the gray might be number one. What do you think of that? I've been thinking lately, and I'm not joking that Dingus might have been right about Your Highness. <laughs> and I, I haven't seen it since, but I was thinking about, like, when Danny McBride, this fucking idiot, when she's playing with the cutler. She doesn't know what cutlery is. Like, it was making me laugh a few days ago, even though I haven't seen it since we saw it. It was suddenly uh, funny to me again. <laughs> I go, can I, can I, <laughs> yes. I have a tip for you, now that you're maybe in Canada and have some spare time. Uh, Zoe, uh, oh, good. oh, Zoe Deschanel's... Uh, series on i think fox uh new girl has some actual very nice moments that i think you might enjoy now there's a lot of awful business as usual unimaginative sitcom junk but there's some really cute stuff if you liked watching her play with cutlery there are things in new girl that you would really enjoy she's not the new girl though she's been around for a while good one kelly wand haha take that uh new guy joke i don't have the energy to come up with right now all right, my number two uh, is not the deer uh, in the amusement park in Hannah, nor is it the deer who is hunted down by Daniel Day-Lewis in Last of the Mohicans, one of the greatest movies ever made, nor is it the deer in Deer Hunter. Which it deer is, is left? It is, however, a deer. This is a great deer scene. Uh, it is... Um, wait, wait, can I guess? Actually, yes, yeah. You know what? I don't... I, I don't, don't please don't guess. All right. He might, because you might mess up someone else's guess. But here's the thing: this deer, uh, this this movie is all about uh, uh, the the world of this movie is uh, is mentioned early on, and then the movie is built around this world. But one of the starkest realizations of this th- this world and what's going on in this movie occurs fairly late in the film, and it involves a deer in an empty, abandoned school. Uh, so there's a great moment near the end of Children of Men where they're on the run and, you know, the whole conceit of Children of Men is that no more children have been born. So everyone is just growing up and, and aging and is going to die and the, that'll be the end of the population of the world. But something happens and this kind of adventure unfolds based on that. So one part near the end of the movie, they come to a school. And naturally, because there haven't been children around for, you know, 20, 30 years, the school is abandoned and run down. And they, they never say in the course of the movie, hey, nobody uses schools anymore, because, you know, there's no title card that says anything about that. They just come to a school, and naturally it's so abandoned and run down that there's a deer wandering around in the halls. 
so I love that image. You know, there's lots of moments where uh, some some bit of wildlife encroaches on civilization, and you get that interplay. Um, but one of my favorite instances of that with the deer is the scene in Children of Men. Kelly, one would that have been your guess? No, I was. I thought you were going to go with don't that. Don't. Save it. Fuck. I didn't even hear what he said, Dingus. So I, it'll still be a surprise to me. All right, so save that, Kelly Wan. Um, ah, Dingus hates me. I'm sorry. Save it. Save it for runners up. We'll see. Uh, all well, right, so Tom. Kelly, Tom made that happen. I specifically asked you not to guess. Oh. Yeah, but you thought I was going to guess Children of Men, I thought. Anyway, I love Children. I love that choice that's perfect because it goes right along with the Stand By Me thing that I was talking about last week. Oh, right, right. That was when you took off the table. Now, what was the Stand By Me scene? There's a moment where it's the morning after the the guys have all camped and they're on their adventure. and, um, And the narrator of the film is up. Alone, and the and the guys are all sleeping, and he's got this moment alone where he's writing in his journal, and he's sitting there, and this deer approaches, and it comes right close to where he is, and it just has a profound effect upon him, and I love that little moment, that just little moment with nature where there's an animal there, and it affects it. He's never seen that before, and so that was that moment in Stand By Me. Okay. But I didn't spoil that. You're right. You didn't. <laughs> well, you know, Kelly, so... what, what is your number two choice, and does it involve a deer? No, but it all involves a rodent, which is like a deer, but without antlers. Yeah, <laughs> right. And okay. burrows like deer do in the ground. My number two, because I was trying to stick to actual animals instead of uh, animatronic bullshit and animated films like you losers. Um, is, this is the guy who picked Watership down. Well, da, 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 we don't have time to facts straight. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I was really moved at the end of Caddyshack when the gopher helped Danny Noonan beat Ted Knight by tricking Bill Murray into starting a nuclear holocaust and win a bet. And then the ball gets tipped in because the gopher, the dancing gopher. Um, that's my number two. <laughs> All right. Kelly, can you do a little of the, the famous musical number from Caddyshack? Go. When the light is down and the moon is high, you will stand by me and lie. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. All right, the gopher and Caddyshack, very good. Uh, there's several moments. Do you have a specific one? So you did mention a specific one, something about a nuclear holocaust. Yeah. All right. Uh, Caddyshack, so Dingus, what do you got that can top that? Yeah. Uh, this isn't a nuclear holocaust. It's rather the opposite. Oh, do a line. Right, the boy and his line. dog. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, oh, damn. I told you not to guess. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> JK. Don Johnson's not an animal. <laughs> fucking racist. <laughs> that would be uh, John Hurt, the elephant man. Oh, God. Shut up, Kelly Wood. I mean, All right, Diggis, yeah. give us a line. What's the line from your number two choice for a favorite animal moment? Make sure to clear your throat first, or I won't know when you've started. Ahem. <clears throat> Life by life, I search for you, my hope, my child. What? It sounds like he's doing something from Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek search for Spock. Wait, uh, that's a good one. Dingus is a genius. Dingus what? is the best at three by threes. I maintain. Tom's- picking, what is that? That is that's one of the oh, it's that dances with wolves thing. Oh right? no, no. Unless I'm totally stupid and I totally missed it. Tree of Life? Yeah. It is Tree of Life, yes. What? There's no animals in that. Yeah, there's a, there's no. a CG dinosaur. Is that an animal? Uh, oh good. yeah. 
Dinosaurs are animals, and and uh, I, I did. I was not uh, able to avoid animation because the dinosaurs. Are yeah, they're not. First of all, dinosaurs aren't animals; they're reptiles, dingus. No good point. I, I like birds. Michael Crichton explained it. All right, explain the scene to it to us. Which uh, uh, I like that one. I think dingus is cool. I support you, dingus. Kelly, Thank I just want to remind you, he picked the gray for his number three. You idiot, Dingus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dingus, explain to us the scene. What, what, what do you like about it? All right, this is a moment I'm still not sure I understand, but I love uh, this uh, predator dinosaur in the middle section of Tree of Life that I love so much, where uh, instead of the world entering, entering, ending in a nuclear holocaust, it's beginning. Um, uh, this predator dinosaur, I think it's a troodon. Uh, finds a plant eater dinosaur. I think it's a. Uh, oh gosh, I can't even remember now. I think it's Parasaurolophus. Go ahead, uh, and go ahead, go in there, wake your son up, and double check. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go ask Kiernan. Um, uh, it's this this uh, this dinosaur who's uh, just lying there on the bed uh, beside a riverbed on the stones, and clearly injured and. And the uh, the predator dinosaur comes up and puts his foot on his head and takes it off, uh-huh. and puts his foot on his head again and takes it off, and then just moves on. And I just love that sort of how the universe treats life. Yes, it's this strange little bit about compassion and suffering, and it's a little confused, <laughs> kind of like the movie itself. No, uh, I like that. I love that part because it's so. It's like. Here's a movie with CG dinosaurs doing the exact opposite of what everyone in the audience is. Oh, cool, CG dinosaur can fucking chomp that shit, motherfucker. And then it's like this beautiful, <laughs> sweet, like... Because it's, it's kind of an evolution moment, I would argue. Okay, it's sure. Like, uh, never mind. I like you, Dingus. I support you. Although I'm not sure which animal you're taking as the winner of this contest and it is well i'm not talking about a specific animal it's just an animal moment so oh, it's okay. the moment between those two where where well i'm not sure which moment you're talking on. about because several moments several frames of film take place so you have to pick like the beginning of the stamping foot moment or like after the movie's over it's the exact frame where after the troodon has lifted his foot the last time you see the parasaurolophus breathe again uh, that part sucked <laughs> All right, so uh, even though dinosaurs are reptiles and not animals, reptiles. Uh, what tree of life? <laughs> Wait, I thought that was debunked that they were reptiles by the Bible. Furthermore, the Earth has no circumference. Oh, remember? Remember how dumb Tom was? I'm standing by that. You guys are crazy. Equators. There's no. I. You know what? I've thought about this. You guys are absolutely crazy. There's wait, not. Wait. What? Let me ask you something. Okay. What's 10 to the zeroth power? Zero. Ah, you're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you know I still maintain the Earth does not have a circumference, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick by that. I maintain the Earth is flat and doesn't exist. I can disprove that. And All right, you're going to burn at the stake, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Neither does it have a radius or a diameter. It doesn't have any mass. But pi. The point is, it has because it's not a perfect orb. It has multiple values for any one of those things. So you like, can't talk about the circumference of the Earth. So I was right, by the way. I had to th- I had to walk away and think about that after enduring much ridicule from you guys. But I'm convinced I was right. So I win. 
I guess the circumference would be unstable because the waves of the ocean wouldn't make it. It's, it's not constant. So. Uh, it wouldn't be the same from pole to pole that it would be around the equator or if you were to choose some latitude and longitude and go to the opposite point of the Earth. Those would all be different values. There's no one circumference. There's a single circumference for a circle, but there is not for something like the Earth, which is not a, a perfect orb. But isn't a sphere a, a series of concentric circles wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in an enigma? Wrapped in a fortune cookie. Hey, people listening, which of us do you think stupidest? <laughs> Just curious. Okay, my number one animal moment in a movie uh, is the burning owl swatted out of midair by Jim Prudeau in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh, that's a good one. I just love what a, what a cool image that is. I love what it says about the character. Yeah. I love how it's kind of a metaphor for what he eventually does at the end of the movie. Uh, I love how it contrasts to a minor moment earlier in the movie with a bee. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, uh, I'm so in love with that movie. And that was just a great animal moment. Uh, and just the idea of, a, of an owl flying down the chimney and coming out of the fireplace on fire and flying around in a in a schoolhouse, by the yeah. way, where, where most of the time, you know, in a little schoolroom like that, any owl flying around is going to make kids think of Harry Potter, but this one is burning and about to die and get <laughs> swatted out of the air. Uh, I just love how dark that is. Uh, so there's my number one choice, the burning owl in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That's a great one. It's from the book, too. Like, they faith, it was one of the things that was faithfully... Uh, like, I was looking forward to it. Maybe, like, are they going to do that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I recently met a Swede at a convention I was at, and the, I just had to. I, I just assume all Swedes know how, what a genius Thomas Alfredson is, and I was bitterly disappointed that he had no idea who that was. I would think that he would be like a national treasure in Sweden. They would all be aware of him. I thought it was pronounced Swede. Wasn't he a Norwegian? Absolutely not, Dingus. Are we at war with Norway? <laughs> hey, Swedes! All right, Kelly Wand, what is your number one choice for a uh, a non-pet animal moment in a movie? Oh, Animatronic, yeah. animated, or otherwise. Or even uh, even if it's not an animal. It can be a mineral. It can even be a reptile. At this point, no one, nothing would surprise you, would it? That's right. Well, for this one, I picked an actual animal because I really liked its acting in the scene. Mm -hmm. And it's um, from the movie Cabin Boy when a rabbit... Um, scares him and makes him scream and cry and panic. Like he right. sees a rabbit for the first time. And a rabbit like, scares the titular character? Yeah. Alright, All right, very good. Leave Elizabeth Olsen out of this. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if I could bring the house down. <laughs> I just like the expression on the rabbit's face. There I said it. And All Elizabeth right. Olsen's um, test. I mean... Never mind. <laughs> All right, Dinkus, how could you top that? What, what do you possibly have better than the Get rabbit it. and top boy? Uh, I don't know. I, I actually didn't come up with a number one. I'm sorry, guys. Huh. Huh. All right, well, in that case, I am going to put in... Oh, so is it the deer one that Kelly Wan ruined? Yeah, it's the it's the moment in The Queen. I love that moment so uh, much. I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. Don't worry about it. In The Queen, where the deer is at uh, the... the that woods out in the Helen Mirren woods, and she's all you great beauty, totally. Wanted. Yeah, the the moment um, in when she's at Belmoral, Belmoral, and, right. and she drives, she's driving the Land Rover up across the river to meet the, the hunting party, and and uh, breaks the the prop shaft or the the front axle of the 
of the of the land. Whatever of. nerd. Where she's just grinding, where she's just grinding metal. I don't know what that's from. Euphemisms. Is it a pheasant hunt, <laughs> by the way? And then the deer's just there, so they don't shoot it. Or no, I just don't. I think because later he talks about taking out their the 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 emotions everybody has on that stag. I think they're they're just out on a hunt, and she she shoes him away. But but this is a moment where the queen is able. She's she's alone. And she breaks down a little bit, and she has emotion. And that's kind of a moment I I'd forgotten until I rewatched it, where she's sitting there on the on the uh, on the Land Rover, and starts to cry. She's there alone, and it's just so beautiful there. And she turns, and there's the stag. Just he's crested the hill, and she's, wow, you are such a beauty. And it's like this moment. It's like that moment in Stand by Me, which inspired this category, where it's. It's just a human being coming face to face with nature. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and apparently learning something about himself or herself right, from good. the queen, because it's a royal subject too, huh? Isn't the stag the symbol of uh, England's royalty? I just made that up. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Is this the one with Margaret Thatcher that Meryl Streep did the thing with? This? <laughs> Margaret Thatcher, Queen of England. Is this the one with Glenn Close where she has the man's name and the hat on? Uh Aha. Gotcha. It's all of those things. All right, so any runners up? I actually did not have any. I was so pleased with my uh, actual choices. I I didn't come up with runners up. I just half assed it. I apologize. And I'm an animal lover, so I really suck. Flipper. He's good. Mm, Flipper's a pet. Is Flubber an animal? Uh, server crossover where they <laughs> is is by the way is is uh, Yoda does Yoda count as a pet? His children do. His I, almost, I almost chose a Tauntaun, but I didn't think you would go. Those are domesticated; they're pets. Uh, uh, well, Dingus, any runners up from you? Uh, the one that uh, Kelly just mentioned, the cabin boy one with the when the rabbit scares the titular character, mm-hmm. uh, reminds me of the moment in Raising Arizona with the little things. Where the rabbit comes up and sniffs the hand grenade. Uh, didn't it get killed? Well, yeah. Oh, so there's a lesson there, isn't there? Rabbit well, in that sold. case, I'm gonna I'm gonna think of the rabbit in Rubber. Oh yeah. Well, I'm gonna think of the rabbit in Bambi. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of Kelly Wan Thumper is Bambi's pet. Doesn't count. Wait, I thought weren't th- was the Thumper one of the villains in Diamonds Are Forever? It's Jaws. Uh. Wait, why didn't they just call it Bruce? Uh, All right, are you guys ready for next week's 3x3? Here's what I need you to think about for next week. This is inspired by the movie Silent House. I'm actually surprised we've never done something like this before. But what I want are your three favorite camera gimmicks. Now, keep in mind, I'm not looking for something too broad. I don't want you to say found footage or shaky cam. Uh, I want something very specific. If, if you want, it can be something that happens throughout the entire movie, or it can be one particular moment with a camera. Uh, but having talked about the way cameras are used in The Sun and Silent House, both of which I will take off the table, as well as the movie uh. called A Horrible Way to Die, which I've uh, recommended. Uh, those three movies are off the table. Uh, but uh, if you want to do something that happens throughout the entire movie, the way the camera is used, that's fine. Uh, if you just want a specific moment, that's fine as well. But I, I want you to think of them as camera gimmicks. Uh, and I want your, your three favorites uh, for next week. Does Project X count? 
Haven't seen it. Uh, I'm guessing that's found footage, so I'm going to say no. Well, unless, unless, unless there's a specific moment. Wait a minute. That's the movie with Matthew Broderick. Ah, I was going to do that joke. <laughs> I was still, I was I'm on to you, Kelly Wong. Yeah, Speaking was, of animal moments, because that monkey was not his pet. It was Einstein. Was that the monkey's name? Or that? <laughs> I don't remember. I've never seen that movie. Or was that the dog's name in Back to the Future? Another great animal moment. Was, oh, actually, that's a good That's a good runner-up, is where the dogs were in like, that brain hat in Christopher Lloyd's uh, house in the 50s. And you so and you do you want know. me to put that down to replace uh, Watership Down? Put it down <laughs> for all of them. All of mine suck, except for the Cabin Boy one. So also next week, at last, we are going to see 21 Jump Street, because this time I'm pretty sure it actually opens next week. Oh. Yeah. On, on the 21st, which makes sense. Right. Ah, see that tie-in? Very good. Uh, so C21 Jump Street and join us uh, here for a discussion of that movie as well as our 3 by 3 of our favorite camera gimmicks. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Mulkowski, Mo- I think. It's Christian Murawski. Mm, no, I don't think so. And also Kelly Wand. Also, it was cool when Dunstan checked in. That was kind of good. <laughs> song and it was just people waited for it oh yeah also he lynched all the fingers and dragged cycle also in that other movie How about a little snack now? Aw.